Warning. Listening to this podcast could be hazardous to your mental health. Side effects could include random fits of yelling go bills to total strangers. For your safety, the entire collective medical community recommends caution when consuming this podcast. You are listening to Buffalo on the Brain with the most unathletic man in Bill's Mafia, Vince Taylor. His scouting report simply says, lazy and fat. All right, Bill's Mafia, how are we doing today? Thank you so much for choosing to spend your Monday with me. You're listening to Buffalo on the Brain. I'm your host, Vince Taylor. Hope you are listening to me on the Built in Buffalo Podcast Network. We have some exciting news with the addition of The Wandering Buffalo and Icy Mike's The Built in Buffalo Podcast Network has Bills-related content for you every single day of the week, so it doesn't matter when you wake up, you will have new content on your feed. Let's go ahead and get started. I am very, 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 very excited about the Mafia hot seat this week. I have a couple of legends in the form of Bruce Nolan over from the Bruce exclusive on the Buffalo Rumblings podcast network, as well as the one, the only Joe Marino from Locked on Bills. Uh, it was a pleasure and uh, an honor to get to get to spend a few minutes with those guys. And last but not least, my coworker, my teammate right here on the Built in Buffalo network, Jake Jordan from The Lowdown. You can find him on Fridays right here on this network. The first thing I want to talk about this week is all of the chatter about a possible Julio Jones trade. Listen, just because folks are guarded or pessimistic against a trade, it does not necessarily have anything to do with the way that we feel about a player. Julio Jones is... Top five receiver in this league. Probably top three. Would he make the Bills' offense much better? Absolutely. Absolutely he would. You put him next to Stephon Diggs and possibly Cole Beasley in the slot, and it's going to be even better than it was last year. I don't think anybody is disputing that. Now, adding Julio Jones and his salary, does it come at a cost? Does that make us better? Yeah, it definitely comes at a cost, and we're not really for sure what that cost might be. We're all kind of speculating. We don't feel like it's going to be a first-round pick, but, hey, that could come in the form of uh, Gabriel Davis and maybe a a couple of mid-to-late-round picks with a second. But more importantly, you're going to have to make room for his salary, and I think that's where we're all a little bit hesitant. Now, of course, you can release some players. Mario Addison's most likely gone. You can restructure a bunch of guys. You know, I'm, I'm not very much in a hurry to try to do that. And I honestly don't think Brandon Bean's in a window to do that either. He's always, he's drafting for the future. He's made some draft picks that are very supportive of that philosophy. And bringing in Julio Jones, not because he's older, but because of the cost of his contract and restructuring things and kicking things down the road would go directly against that philosophy that Brandon Bean has. Um, so I've listened to some other podcasts and I feel like there's there's some criticism of Bills fans that are not excited about the possibility of a Julio trade. And I don't think that is... 
I don't, I don't think that's fair. You know, I, I feel like the, there's a certain section of Bill's mafia that gets excited anytime a big time player is rumored to be available or as a free agent. And we automatically turn into go all out and get him. And I don't think a, that's the best way to build a team and B that's the most responsible moves you can make when you're trying to take care of people like Stefan Diggs. Now we all have thought that Stefan Diggs was going to get a raise and he deserves it. He is well, he was the best receiver in the league last year. He's going to get a raise at which point we don't really know, but we have to also take into consideration that yes, last year was a COVID cap, but that COVID cap isn't going to be completely restored for you know, two or three more years it's until it gets back up to where it should be. Um, there's going to be a little residual effects of that even going into next offseason. So we would potentially be trading for Julio Jones and essentially giving that money to Julio instead of giving Stefan Diggs the raise that he deserves and most likely will get. But I, I don't know. I, I think the cost is too high. I think many of you are with me on this, but there's a small section of Bills fans and even a couple of podcasters out there that, you know, they're going a little too hard for this idea. I just can't get behind it. And it's not a knock on Julio Jones. It doesn't have to be a knock on Julio Jones. I don't really care about his age so much. We are in a Super Bowl window, but like I said, Brandon Bean has to balance that with keeping this team competitive and keeping the window open for a little bit longer. In other potential Bills moves, Zach Ertz is refusing to take part any in any of the voluntary OTAs right now. Feels like he could be heading towards a holdout situation uh, going into training camp. I'm not sure he's going to take it that far, but at least he's he's trying to push his way out of Philly. Uh, I know a lot of Bills fans are very high on him. You know, that's another situation where you're going to have to make some concessions to get him on the team. Is he better than Dawson Knox? Sure. Yeah, I'll buy that. Um, am I willing to give up a high pick and then maybe restructure a few guys to get him here? Yeah, I'm not sure that I'm willing to go that far. Um, because I know that this team had been successful with without getting a lot of production from the tight end position. Um, that is another position, much like cornerback too, that would have been, to me, easily upgradable and we didn't do it through the draft um i think there's a better than average possibility that jacob hollister ends up becoming the best tight end on this team um and, and i could be wrong and i'll be happy to be wrong i hope that i am wrong i'd love to see dawson knox just decide he knows how to play the position and start catching some footballs and and not missing blocks and um you know especially when you look at guys like kelvin benjamin and tim tebow getting shots i'd l really love to be wrong about that but i think jacob hollister is going to be a better tight end this year i'm not super interested in bringing in somebody that's on the wrong side of their career it's got a bigger salary again having to kick the can down the road with some of these contracts and possibly give up picks um, i don't think the eagles are going to outright release him that would be really silly i think more than likely they're going to end up taking a late round pick probably the Colts. I think a lot of people will agree with that. And I would be the first to agree with you that I, I've been accused of being maybe a little bit too conservative sometimes in my roster construction theories. Um, and I, I'm willing to listen to that argument. I think that's probably true of me sometimes, but I think right here in this case, I think I'm right. 
I don't think we want to give up a lot to get a guy like Zach Ertz. I think we want to try to just make do with some lesser tier uh, tight end, you know, just because you have Travis Kelsey, I guess is a bad example, but you know, you can have Darren Waller and not win the Super Bowl. You can have Tony Gonzalez and not win the Super Bowl. You know, just it's definitely a, a boon to your receiving team, uh, but it's not a necessity. And we showed it last year. Um, so I, I'm standing firm in this. I, I don't, I'm not super interested in Zach Ertz. If it were to happen, and depending on the price, I guess that I could be okay with it. But I, I'm not out there going to be banging the table and saying, get him, get him, get him. I'm usually very complimentary of some of the moves that Brandon Bean makes when he's sort of spreading out the risk. Uh, you know, a couple of years ago, he re- rebuilt the offensive line uh, basically by taking a flyer on a lot of these mid-tier uh, offensive linemen, and it worked out well for him. Uh, this year, maybe Forrest Lamp is kind of playing that role. We're kind of expecting a little bit more from Cody Ford. Probably is going to end up being a guard. It looks that way after the draft anyway. Uh, but he didn't really address another area of need that I think most Bills Mafia would agree with is one tech defensive tackle. Uh, we are getting Star Latula back. I have issues with Star even before COVID. Um, I'm not here to tell you he's trash. I think he's fine. Um, even if he's overpaid, you know, his job is to eat up blockers. He does that pretty well. Doesn't seem to be helping us much in the run game even before COVID. So he's been away from football for an entire year. I don't know what kind of shape he's in. He is going to be another year older. Uh, His contract basically is, and we're stuck with him. We could maybe try to get out of it even next year, but I believe that the the more logical uh, way to look at it would be he's with the team for two more years. Um, So we didn't go out and make any sort of real investment in that position either. A lot of people felt like drafting a defensive tackle in the middle rounds would have been a really good, smart move. Brandon Bean elected not to do so. Uh, He has been bringing in a couple of uh, defensive tackles here, I think, last week. He brought in a guy named Eli Ankow, and I'm sorry, I don't know if I'm pronouncing his name correctly. He uh, ended up signing with the Falcons, but Brandon Bean elected not to sign him. He's a former... um, undrafted free agent, but he actually got traded to the Cowboys for a seventh round pick. So the Cowboys actually thought pretty highly enough to give him a pick. Um, and I believe he was serving in that role as more of a rotational basis. Um, instead, Brandon Bean actually brought in a former seventh round pick, another 300 pound guy in the name of uh, Trayvon Hester. I have a feeling he's going to get a really solid look at making the roster just because he plays uh, the one tech, he's he's going to find some reps and he's going to get a strong look. And I think his chances of making the roster, even though we signed him pretty late, um, are pretty high. I think he's going to get a look. In other Bills news, the Bills actually signed two female coaches this week. So good for the Bills. Um, I don't really care what gender you are as long as you are doing your job well. Uh, they signed Sophia Lewin. She has taken on the uh, title of assist, offensive assistant. She's been with the team before. I believe she served uh, in some training camps or some OTAs. Not last year. I believe it was the year before. So she is at least familiar with the team. She's been around the team for a while. She served as a quality control coordinator and 
wide receivers coach at Princeton. Um, in addition, the Bills also signed Andrea Gosper. She is going to be uh, the player personnel coordinator. She is familiar with the Bills, and the Bills are familiar with her. She had been with the with the Bills on the scouting team for the last couple of years, and now she's promoted to player personnel coordinator, so good for her. That is something that Kim Pagula had said she had wanted to accomplish, uh, was giving more female coaches opportunity. So uh, good for the Bills, and uh, let's hope that they do the job well. In other news this week, Joe Burrow is supposed to be all systems go for week one. Um, he, he should be participating in uh, late stages of training camp, and he should get into a, at least a couple of preseason games. But uh, all systems should be go for week one for last year's number one overall pick. Uh, and I'm, I'm happy to see that. I like when young quarterbacks do well. And even if it is a Cincinnati, I'm kind of pulling for him a little bit. Uh, I like Joe Burrow, and it, it was really sad to see him get hurt that way. Uh, even if former Bill Quentin Spain was a reason why uh, he got hit like that, you know, I'm still kind of rooting for Joe Burrow to make a full recovery. I think the league's better when we have more great quarterbacks, and I hope that he does turn into one. He had a great rookie season, and I hope he can keep it going. The New England Patriots brought back Brian Hoyer. Just kind of seems like that's his destiny, is to always be the backup on that team. I know he's had uh, a cup of coffee as a starter in a a couple of other places, but he always finds his way back to Billy. And... um, I don't know. The, the, the scuttlebutt is that Julio Jones wants to be traded to New England, and I can't for the life of me figure out why that makes sense. That's supposed to be a run-heavy offense. Cam was really, really, really bad last year. Um, yeah, he's still got some wheels, and he can run, and he's big, and he can make you miss a tackle or two, but as far as catching footballs from him, there's a lot, a lot left on the table with that team, and uh, I have a hard time seeing Billy B going with Mac Jones, um, at least this year. I bet next year he gets to start at the, the, the starting gig. But uh, Brian Hoyer, I bet, is next man up if Cam starts to fall behind too bad or the team starts out to a slow spot. I, I really believe it'll be Brian Hoyer over Mac Jones. But um, not sure why Julio wants to go there so bad. Um, I don't know. You guys have all seen the footage. I mean, Cam is just not a starting caliber quarterback in this league. And I'm not even sure why New England brought him back, honestly. And to hear that Julio Jones is marking that as a destination of choice, it's almost like he's punking everybody or something. I, I, it just, it's one of those things like Tim Tebow coming back that makes absolutely no sense to me, but I'm just a dumb podcaster. What the hell do I know anyway? The last thing that I want to talk about is not necessarily bills related, but it's just an interesting story. Anyway, uh, is the Deshaun Watson saga, what's going on over there in Houston, is just, I mean, it's wild. I mean, here we have a guy who literally just last year signed a franchise quarterback contract extension. And before the year is even done, before really the ink's dry, he's complaining and bitching and moaning and he's saying he won out um, because allegedly they lied to him. Now, I'm on the record of saying at that point I would not have traded him. Uh, I just because I give you input on some of the decisions doesn't mean I'm I'm giving you the decision. You get a voice, you don't get the choice. So I don't know what he means by lied to him because they traded DeAndre Hopkins before he signed that. 
Um, so, I mean, the team's bad, and it just felt like after the year was over and he realized how bad the team was, he wanted out. Um, and he didn't even give a new new GM, a new management team a chance. He was just basically being a bitch. So all that happens, and that seems like so long ago. And he is a top five quarterback in the league. I'm not even mad if you want to rank him ahead of Josh Allen. Like, I don't think it's that big of a stretch. He's been doing it a little bit longer at a higher level. And, you know, I guess I would personally have Josh Allen as my quarterback, even if you take all this other stuff off the table. I'm not mad at you if you choose Deshaun Watson. Um, I, I, I think Josh Allen's going to have a higher ceiling, but that's neither here nor there. Right now, the Houston Texans have, they don't have a franchise quarterback. News came out that Deshaun Watson's deposition might not happen until after the Super Bowl, which means there is a better than average chance that he does not play this year because he's on the commissioner's exempt list. Um, what does that mean? That means no OTAs, no training camp, no preseason games, no games, no contact with the team. Basically, he has to stay away until this is resolved. Now, there also is a clause in his contract that is, this is just wild, I've never heard anything like this, that basically uh, he can still end up getting paid while he's out uh, and while he's under investigation, but that's just wild. They are hedging big time. They signed Jeff Driscoll this week for $2.5 million, which is the same amount of money that the Bills paid for Mitch Trubisky, so advantage Bills there. Uh, they also have Ryan Finley on the roster, as well as uh, second-round pick, and their first pick of the draft, actually, Davis Mills, which was another interesting thing. Um, the first pick in their draft was a quarterback. Uh, I, I think that says something. They also have Tyrod Taylor on the roster, so they're hedging pretty big. Um, I am not a lawyer, so I can't really speak to you in any sort of detail about what's happening in these legal proceedings, but I had seen that there was a, a, a push by the prosecution to try to get this uh, settled, and I, I thought that I saw that Deshaun Watson is against that because he, wants, uh, he does not want anyone to, quote, be muzzled. He wants... Uh, the freedom to talk and everyone to talk about what happened at any time. So it's just bananas. It's just absolutely bananas. Like I want to give him the benefit of a doubt, but man, 22 women is a lot for me to swallow. And I guess that's why you go to court, but um, man, the Houston Texans, after I had said all basically during the early part of the off season, I would not have traded Deshaun Watson because anybody that I'm going to acquire through a draft pick, I want to turn into Deshaun Watson. That's my franchise quarterback. I need a franchise quarterback. I need to make my team better. And any picks I get back, the chances of them becoming you are smaller, and especially when those picks are probably going to be later round ones. Even if you give me more of them, they're not as valuable. But I, I feel like you just signed the contract, and that's not up for me to try to find um, all the money that would go along with trading you on the cap space and the dead cap. And I'm, I'm just not interested in that. You know, I hold the cards here as a Texas organization and I don't know. I, I don't know how I feel like, especially now you have an asset in a franchise quarterback that could be very, very, very valuable or absolutely worthless uh, depending on how things go. But uh, regardless, looks like he has a, a better than average chance of not playing this year and being on the commissioner's exempt list. And there's a clause in his contract. I think that if it 
and I'm not a legal lawyer, so I can't talk to you that much about it, but it looks like uh, there's a clause in here that says he can get paid while this is being investigated. Either way, couldn't be my quarterback. All right, Bills Mafia, that is all I have for you this week, but I am very, very excited about this week's Mafia Hot Seat. As I mentioned before, I have a couple of legends in the form of Bruce Nolan from the Bruce Exclusive over on the Buffalo Rumblings uh, network. You guys love him. You guys know him. Also, yeah, that's right, Joe Marino from Locked on Bills and senior draft analysts over at the Draft Network. I love those guys. It was a pleasure speaking with them. And last but not least, my coworker, my teammate right here on the Built in Buffalo Network, Jake Jordan from The Lowdown. You can find him every Friday right here. Without further ado, hope you guys enjoy it. We will talk to you next week. Okay, Bills Mafia. I am joined today by the man, the myth, the legend, Bruce Nolan himself from the Bruce exclusive. Bruce, how are you today? Vince, I'm fantastic, man. How are you? (laughs) I'm doing really well. I'm doing really well, and I'm thrilled that you're here. Um, Everybody that listens to my podcast is surely aware of the Bruce exclusive, but can you get maybe get a little pitch in there for us? Sure. My name is Bruce Nolan. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Bruce Exclusive. My show, The Bruce Exclusive, drops every Thursdays and Fridays on the Buffalo Rumblings Podcast Network. Yeah, I mean, I mean it. I'm I'm really thrilled that you took a few minutes of your time to talk to me tonight uh, and get you in the hot seat with r- one random Bills question. I have 10 questions in front of me right now. Which number would you like, Bruce? Seven. Seven. <laughs> this was an interesting one. Um, I have an idea of maybe what you might say, but if you were the GM, if you were Brandon Bean, what would you have done differently this off season? I would have drafted Asante Samuel Jr. at 30. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think anyone, I don't think anyone's shocked by this. Um, I don't have a problem with Gregory Rousseau. I think he fits the archetype overall of what the Buffalo Bills do. And I think there's a very reasonable chance he turns out to be a good player. But when it comes to prioritization, I think that having the presence of a more dynamic athlete on the outside would allow this defense to do things that currently is held back from doing due to the presence of either Levi Wallace or Dane Jackson at CB2. Yeah. No, I, I completely agree. You and I are not going to disagree at all right there. It, I didn't necessarily need to have a corner in round one, but man, I needed a bigger investment in corner than what we did. And, you know, Melifonmu was sitting there late and we opted to pass on him a couple of times, uh, much to my and your dismay. But I don't have a large problem with anything that, that Brandon beat during the offseason. I, off-season, I like how he kind of stacks up and spreads his risk out a little bit with some of the free agents. Um, you know, force lamp, those type of guys. He always seems to do a good job on that. Yeah, I'd agree with that. One of the things I really liked that he did this offseason was I think the investment in backup quarterback is something that I would still be pounding the table for had he not brought on Mitch Trubisky. I think that one of the things that you have to understand is that when you have a team that is ready to win now, which the Buffalo Bills are, a lot of people turned that narrative into we need to draft a running back in the first round. My argument is you're one pulled hammy away from Matt Barkley. So that in and of itself in a team that is, you know, ready for contention right now, if you have a team and you have Josh Allen who pulls a hammy is down for four games and you go to Matt Barkley, 
no one is expecting the backup quarterback to be as good as the starting quarterback, but that could be the difference between a first week buy for the Buffalo Bills. That could be the difference between the number one seed and the number four seed. It could be the difference between going home early as far as the playoffs go or not. If Matt Barkley came in against the Colts, you don't win that game. Josh Allen is the main plurality as to why the Buffalo Bills won that game because the defense didn't play overly well. The rushing attack wasn't overly effective. It was Josh Allen at the passing attack is mainly the reason why the Buffalo Bills were able to get their first playoff win in what felt like a million years. If Matt Barkley played that game, the Bills don't make it to the AFC Championship game. So having the margins be that slim at the most important position in sports was always a little upsetting to me. So I'm glad to see that the Bills put some effort into getting a backup quarterback who can come in and hold the fort down. No one is out here campaigning that Mitchell Trubisky is a stud by any means, but I think he's certainly more effective than Matt Barkley. I I agree with you. Um, the only, I mean, he did a great job of getting Mitchell Trubisky in here on that contract. I didn't know if that was possible, and I'm not going to stand up and tell you that I'm excited about Mitch Trubisky, but as a backup quarterback, absolutely. I just, if we weren't able to get Mitch Trubisky for that salary, I wasn't really ready to invest much more in that position in this offseason because of COVID. Uh, I don't love Jake Fromm. I don't love, I don't even know what we have in Davis Webb, but I would have been okay rolling with them if that would have meant trying to cut additional guys to get to five or $6 million as a quarterback, how he got Mitch Trubisky for that two and a half million was really amazing. And that's markedly below going rate for backup quarterback. If you look at the case Keenum quarterback contract, if you look at Andy Dalton's contract, if you look at other quarterbacks around the league of similar skill set to Mitchell Trubisky, they're all going for between five and $10 million a year. And being able to get Mr. Trubisky at two and a half million and being able to sell him on this idea that we developed Josh Allen, come here, reset your career, and then go off somewhere next year and maybe get a second crack at starting somewhere. That idea that you can sell someone on something more than money is impressive. It is. And honestly, it's so impressive that I'm not even completely sure that I, I want to completely buy into that. Like, I don't know what other offers were out there for Mitchell Trubisky. I have to believe something was out there, but he must have taken some sort of pay cut to come to Buffalo. I have to believe that. Like, I don't think he's getting 10 million. He might not even been getting six, but he was getting more than two and a half somewhere else. I would agree with that. I have a hard time imagining the gap that existed between other backup quarterback contracts and Mitchell Trubisky as a former first round pick who was not a terrible player with the Chicago Bills. Mitchell Trubisky wasn't terrible at all. He was not what was expected, and he didn't develop along the curve that the Bears fans wanted him to, but he wasn't a terrible quarterback. So this idea that, well, he got two and a half million because he sucks. Okay, well, first off, let's qualify, let's qualify sucks first off, right off the top of the bed. But also look around. Is he better than Case Keenum? Probably. Is mm -hmm. he better than Andy, Andy Dalton? Probably not, but he's at least in the same zip code. At this point in Andy Dalton's career, not prime Andy Dalton, but at this point in Andy Dalton's career, probably. And you look around Jacoby Brissett, other quarterbacks are all getting deals that are over double what he got. So I got to think that there was more than just financially uh, as far as the motivation for him to be here, because 
it's just so outside of what the market was for a player of that caliber. And so I just, I have a hard time believing he wouldn't have been able to get more than two and a half million. And that was the best offer. Yeah. He's our guy. Trust the process, right? <laughs> yes. Trust the process. I have it. Yeah. We're going to have it branded like a cowbell on me or something. That's right. And never question it because if you do, then Bill's you're, mafia will be. You're not a real fan at that point. <laughs> All right, Bruce, anything else? Dude, I, nothing. I'm just happy to be here. Thanks for having me. No, man, I'm blessed. I'm blessed to have you on my pod. It really means a lot to me. I, I appreciate you taking a few minutes. And folks, the Bruce exclusive over on the Buffalo Rumblings Network. If you're listening to me, you know who Bruce is. He's the best there is. Uh, make sure you subscribe. Thanks, Bruce. Thanks, Vince. All right, Bills Mafia. I am joined by my teammates over on the Built in Buffalo Network. You can find his pod on Fridays. Jake Jordan, everybody. How you doing, Jake? I am doing great, Vince. How are you doing, man? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. Just, you know, sitting here trying to get ready to put my fellow team member in the hot seat. Ah, uh, dude, I cannot wait. Let's go. <laughs> well, before we get started, tell us about your pod. Okay, so I host The Lowdown. It's on Fridays on the Built-In Buffalo Network. Uh, It's actually a pretty chill show. Sometimes it goes a little bit longer than I want it to whenever we start really getting into topics. But pretty much the name says it all. It's The Lowdown. I'm going to give you The Lowdown on all things Buffalo Bills and just sports related because, you know, Around this time, things are slow, and I'm pretty sure we all know that. So definitely, you can talk about transactions of other teams in our division and stuff like that. So I like to talk about all sports, but mainly Buffalo Bills. That's right. Go Bills. All right, let's get started. I have 10 questions in front of me. You cannot have number seven. That one is off the board. Uh, (laughs) Which one would you like? That's my favorite number. Uh, Let's go with number four. Number four. Number four. Okay. Uh, I like this question. So last year I felt like the defense had taken a step back. Now, uh, statistically, I think we were down from the few years before, at least our past defense, especially, Mm -hmm. um, you know, they did come up with some big stops at the end of games to kind of maybe seal it for us. So, I mean, it's not like I'm sitting here calling the defense trash, but definitely room for improvement. Is Starla Tule the savior of this defense? Oh my God. All right, here we go. So this question is thrown around all the time, right? So I think that is star like stars not coming back and he's not the end all be all right. Like there's, there's a ton of things that I think we should have upgraded at stars position, which is a one technique defensive tackle. But like, I, I don't think that you can say there was obviously a lack of production with star not being there. Am I going to say star is going to come back and be the savior? No, but having that one, that one technique defensive tackle in there, I think is really going to improve. And especially having someone that can take up two guys and let the guys actually do what they're supposed to do, especially guys like Ed Oliver who played out of position, man, that was, I think star Latulale isn't he's, he's not the end all be all, of it, but I think it's going to super improve our defensive line and just the production we get out of it in general. 
I hope so. I have a few concerns. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, 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 I keep saying I, I think Starla Tule is a guy who gets too much credit and not enough credit somehow at the same time. He's, he doesn't seem to be good against the run. Yeah. Um, but I do think he, he can like in passing downs, like I, he seems to eat up a couple of blockers. Um, but he's on the backside of his career and basically we're stuck with him. There's no way we're getting rid of him this year. Yeah, I'm pre- Probably I'm pretty- next year too. I think. Yeah. I'm pretty sure what we can't get out of that contract until what, two years. Is it he- still two years since we carried over his year because he opted out? Yeah. Just basically. I mean, it, this is basically the, the 2020 season for him as far as his contract goes, yeah. but he sat out a year and like I said, he's on the backside of his career. He's <laughs> not on the front side. So hmm, I got a lot of concern there with him coming back and, and I mean, it, yeah. it can't be much worse, but you know, I, I yeah, don't man. Oh man. Okay. So that, that's a big thing. Every single time I talk about star Latulale, and that was a big thing going into the draft was I was like, what we have no idea what this guy is going to look like when he comes back. Obviously, you'd like to think that he's going to come back, you know, in shape a little bit older, but, you know, in shape for his position. Uh, that, God, that it's scary because that's why I would have liked to draft a one technique just so that we had that insurance of Star Latulale comes back and looks even worse with a year off of football. Yeah. Yeah, I'm with you. And, you know, if you're supposed to trust the process, that means you can never question anything that Brandon Bean does. But the back-to-back tackles when I think he could have grabbed a corner or maybe even, you know, I think Aleem McNeil was there. You know, yeah. those, are, those are things that cover both playing for this year and also mm-hmm. are building for the future. So I, I get it. I know why you want the tackle, but then you went back-to-back on tackles and uh, I don't know. Yeah, that was a question. I think I had my pod like right, basically my draft recap. And I had to say what I, after the third round, when we got Spencer Brown, I was like, okay, I like that pickup. That's fine. But he did kind of lose me when we picked up Tommy Doyle and a lot of things. And I don't know if I'm sure like all of us, we were all over social media when all this stuff was going down. So I was just looking to see, okay, someone please justify this pick for me. And somebody was like trying to tell me, oh, well, this guy, uh, he could play a guard. But then I <laughs> I legitimately, I looked, and I think it was also during the draft uh, show while we were all on, too, uh, uh, somebody brought up, they were like, this guy has never played guard in his entire life. So I... I agree with you. I think there was a different skill position we could have brought up there, but I do understand. And like you said, we're not supposed to question the process, but there was just some things I, I would have liked a better skill player there, like another corner, but apparently the Buffalo bills don't view cornerback two as a real issue. No, no, they do not. I, I was talking with Bruce about that and um, I wasn't happy about it either, but uh, one of your former coworkers actually posted something, I think maybe right after the draft. And, and mm. I can't tell if it was Pierre. I'm not sure if Pierre was being okay. serious or if he was just kind of being silly. But then he put out like, this is going to be the Bills offensive line this year. And he had uh, Daryl Williams getting kicked inside to guard and Spencer Brown taking his spot on the tackle. I'm like, that's just silly. Uh, That's, uh. and then I thought about it. I'm like, 
okay, that's a reach. And then, well, maybe we get to see that in preseason. I mean, I, I don't know. Like it just, yeah, <laughs> I, I feel like it's I, a long shot. I hate. Okay. So this is just maybe my opinion, but I think a lot of people have it as well. The ever rotating like way that we have our offensive line, like switching positions and all that stuff. Like I, I wanted to pay Daryl Williams. So he is our right tackle. Like, that is it. I, I don't want Daryl Williams having to play out of the position. Like, and I'm sure he would be an okay guard, but he's a, I would say slightly above average right tackle and did very well last year. So yeah, I saw Pierre post that and I wasn't going to sit here and just be like, Oh, well, I'm not going to publicly come out and say that I think it's stupid because it's not stupid, but it is silly. Like what you said, it's, I look at it and we paid him to be our right tackle. So that's what Daryl Williams is going to be. And Spencer Brown, I'm pretty sure. And I'm not sure if this was an official thing that got set up, but they said that Spencer Brown was going to be the swing tackle. And I was like, yeah, that's what I thought we drafted him for. That's what I thought. So too. Uh, and I, I don't know if, if they try it in preseason and, and Daryl Williams ends up being okay at guard. Like, I'm not mad at we paying him tackle money. Like, I want the yeah. best five in there. If that helps, it helps. It's great. It's probably not helping his cost going forward. But, you know, for this year, I'd be fine with it. But just, I don't know. The back-to-back tackles thing just really threw me off. I Especially, you know, Deion Dawkins isn't going anywhere. That's just yeah. that's silly. That's madness. I So I, maybe there is just something else that they have a plan for one of these guys. So, like, that's the only other thing I could think of is uh, – I, and I remember – there were people on Twitter, Bill's Mafia, saying like, hey, you know, maybe they're thinking of getting rid of Deion Dawkins. I'm like, if you want to kill team morale, you trade away Deion Dawkins. Like yeah. that, that is just not feasible in my mind. Yeah, so, I'm with you. Ridiculous. Yeah. Anyway, Charlotte so, yeah. Uh, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. And, you know, I... I completely He's... forgot we started this conversation talking about <laughs> Starlo Tulele. That's okay. That's not. Uh, and and that Starlo Tulele could tie into, you know, getting pressure on the quarterbacks and helping Jermaine Edmonds and helping Levi. And, hey, mm-hmm. uh, you know, maybe we don't want to talk about it too much, but trade didn't have a great year. Like I'm not worried about him. I'm not sitting here saying he's trash, but yeah. it wasn't his normal standards. Like he was down last year. Yeah. So, we're, I'm not one of those guys that get, I, and I don't know. I'm going to keep referencing what I see on Twitter because it's absolutely ridiculous. Sometimes uh, when we picked up his fifth year option, there were just people to, like the Tremaine Edmonds trashing club came out of nowhere again. And yeah, he had a down year, but you know, I'm just going to keep bringing this up. Dude has two pro bowls and he's only 23. So like there's so much room for improvement with this guy that even if he has a down year like that, like this guy, like he's shown us before that he can produce. So I'm not worried about Tremaine Edmonds, especially with the injury stuff that happened last year. So maybe it wasn't 100%. Like there's a whole lot of factors going into why it was a down year, but I can't believe anybody would question Tremaine Edmonds getting picked Uh, up for the fifth year. I, I don't question the fifth year but I do question the long-term viability of him and here okay. and he's young and I get it. And we can talk every time everyone wants to say anything negative, at least even approaching any kind of slightest big negative. Everyone's going to say, yeah. yeah, but he's young. I know. I get that. I understand mm-hmm. he's young and I'm not saying he can't come back and have a, a bounce back here. I'm saying he needs to do it now. 
yeah. because we're going into his fifth year and we're still seeing him take the wrong steps and we're still seeing him, you know, miss tackles. Mm-hmm. And yeah. um, I thought he was actually pretty good in coverage, but then I saw a few weeks ago that somebody had mentioned that he was one of the lowest rated linebackers. I'm like, well, oh, I- great. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yes, he can. And he's young and, and absolutely. But are we wanting to pay him premium first round draft pick money for a guy that maybe could be that guy or yeah because show me you can do it and then i want to give you the money see i love that because in my right after we picked up their fifth years i did a pod where i talked about uh why because you know the same thing with josh allen too everybody you know kind of when it comes to evaluating them i love the fifth year option because it gives us another year to evaluate them and i think tremaine edmonds really needs that especially if we are going to give up that kind of money for him so i'm 100 with you on that i want him to have a bounce back year and yeah there are some things that he still has problems with but i love that they picked up that fifth year because of the evaluation going forward of if we're going to give this guy a big contract or not yeah if he has another year like he did last year where i mean tackle numbers can be misleading i don't think just Mm -hmm. because a linebacker gets a bunch of tackles that automatically makes him great yeah um nor do I think they're great if they're just because they're a Buffalo Bill. Like I think there's lots of room for some critical thinking. And if he has another year like he did the last year, where he's not making any game altering plays, he's not making tackles on the other side of line of scrimmage, and he's not breaking up passes, and you mm-hmm. know maybe he's just in the cleanup duty. I don't want to pay a premium contract for that guy. Like I'm not yeah. going to call him trash. He's fine. You know, like mm-hmm. I'm not trying to run him out the door, but I don't want to pay him for that. So he essentially gets his fifth year, this fourth year and his fifth year. And if I am Brandon Bean and I'm not now anywhere as smart as yeah. Brandon Bean and <laughs> half of Bill's mafia, but um, yeah. I would start looking at maybe what other linebackers we could get. Yeah. I I feel like you should always have your options open like that. No matter what, it, no matter what it is in life, you should always have, you know, other options just in case, you know, something doesn't work out. Especially if so. they're Deion Dawkins and Daryl Williams right now. Yeah, uh, apparently, yeah. <laughs> oh, man. All right, Jake, anything else? Uh, Man, I don't, I don't know. What else? I mean, there's nothing more to say. Again, we started we started talking about uh, Tremaine Edmonds, and we talked about Star Latulule. So I guess final thought on Star Latulule is I, do, I, for one, really hope that he does improve our defensive line and just able to get pressure on the quarterbacks and stuff like that this year. And I think that uh, to answer the question, yes, I do think he does improve the defense this year, but I really, really wish that we had other options except for just him because there's still a big question mark over him. Okay. You heard it right here. Jake, Jake Jordan from the lowdown. Thank you for taking a few minutes for me tonight. Oh, man, no problem, man. I love being on the hot seat. We got to do this again. We will. We will. (laughs) All right. Have a good night, my friend. All right, man. You too. Okay, Bill's Mafia. Next up on the hot seat this week, I have another legend in Bill's Mafia, Joe Marino from Locked On Bills. Joe, how are you doing today? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me on and uh, looking forward to digging into whatever the topic might be. That's right. It's a mystery topic. Um, Joe is a senior draft analyst over at the Draft Network, and he's also the host of the Locked On Bills 
daily podcast. Tons and tons of work he puts into that. Joe, you want to tell us about it? Yeah, of course. I appreciate the opportunity to share. Um, Lockdown Bills, daily podcast on the Buffalo Bills all year, you know, throughout the season and the offseason. So whether it's, you know, week five of the regular season or the middle of June, have a daily podcast for you. And we work really hard to come up with engaging topics and continuing to look at the team in totality, a lot of roster construction conversations. And so uh, that can be found wherever you listen to podcasts. That's right. The Joe Marino. Thank you so much for taking a few minutes. Uh, we'll go ahead and get started. I have 10 questions in front of me. Now, of course, number seven and number four are off the board, but you can have any other number you like, Joe. All right. Well, my choice is number five. <laughs> okay. Um, I have a feeling that you and I are going to agree on this, but Cam Newton was really bad last year, and there's a lot of people making excuses for him, having COVID, not having the weapons around him. Do you think the Patriots have a 1,000-yard receiver this year? Oh, boy. Do the Patriots have a 1,000-yard receiver, 1, receiver this year? Um, I don't. I don't think they will. And I think part of that has to do with Cam Newton, um, who just – has been an inconsistent player for a while now. Uh, feels like the wheels always come off at some point during the season. Uh, even if he's healthy, he he plays through injuries and, and it affects his performance and the statistical output. And I think the player we saw last year with the inconsistency with his arm and you know a lot of one hop throws, a lot of uh, just he just couldn't get the ball there, especially as the season went on. And I think that's going to eat away at these receivers and their opportunity to produce. Yeah, they made some strides here. They brought in Nelson Aguilar. They, they brought in Kendrick Bourne. Um, the tight ends, obviously, Hunter Henry and Jonu Smith, they paid big dollars to get these players. So not only do you have a an issue with your quarterback, you have your issue with so many mouths to feed on a team that I think wants to run the football. You know, This isn't the Bills. This isn't a, a team that's going to go out and throw the ball 65 70% of the time. They want to be more balanced. And um, you can look at the makeup of their roster from their offensive line to the running back situation that they have, Cam Newton as a runner. I just don't think the volume is going to be there. I don't think they have any one player that's going to command that type of market share to to warrant enough looks to get 1,000 yards. Now, I think some things could change when Mac Jones becomes a quarterback. Not that I'm overly high on him, but I do think from a passer perspective, he has more of what it would take to get the volume and opportunity component right for a receiver to do it. But I'm not sure that there's a single factor that I can point to that would lead me to believe that the Patriots will have a 1,000-yard receiver in 2021. Yeah, it, it almost feels like the Patriots are going backwards. For most of my adult life, the Bills played good defense and had a good run game. And, I mean, the league changed, and it was almost like we were trying to catch up and we were playing a completely different game. And now they're – I was just surprised I brought Cam back in the first place because he, he was bad. And now they they do – like I agree with your point. They're, they're trying to be like a run-first team, it kind of feels like, and play good defense. And I think we've seen that movie before. Well, I think the signaling for them wanting to be that really started the draft where they had two first-round picks in 2018. You kind of got the sense that Tom Brady was – was winding down and they they had two first round picks. They used it on 
Isaiah Wynn, an offensive lineman uh, from Georgia, and then the the running back, Sony Michelle. And, and so my thought process there was, well, one of two things they want to be true. First of all, for them to maximize you know, the last few seasons of Tom Brady, they feel like they need to have that run game for him to rely on. But number two, they wanted to have that run game in place for when they say goodbye to Tom Brady and somebody else is running this offense, that way that they don't have to come in and uh, feel the pressure of taking over from Tom Brady and carry the team, right? It, it would be a run-heavy team. And you look at this offensive line with them trading for and bringing back Trent Brown. And Shaq Mason, one of the best run-blocking guards in the league. Michael Unwainu was outstanding as a rookie. And he'll be the left guard this year. He's a powerful blocker. Isaiah Wynn, a really good run blocker. I mean, the makeup of this team tells you everything you need to know. They want to run the football. And so while the rest of the league is going – you know, 10, 11 personnel wanting to air it out. The Patriots are are zagging, right? Everyone's zigging, they're zagging. And um, they're going to say, okay, you can have that style of play and, and, and you guys can go try to do your track meets, but we're going to make you stylistically play a different kind of football when you have to play us. And um, I think that's definitely the vision and the personnel decisions that they've made certainly give us all the clues we need to understand that that's what they want to be. Yeah, that Nelson Aguilar signing was odd to me because I, I feel like his game is maybe that deep seam and that doesn't see can doesn't seem to be Cam anymore. So that was just like, huh, what are you doing there? Well, look, I think that's fair. And I, again, the the future of this team at quarterback is Mac Jones. Cam Newton will probably be the quarterback until you know it just becomes apparent that he's limiting the offense. Then and they took this guy in the first round. I mean, this is the future of the franchise, Mac Jones. And when you want to be a run heavy team you still need to have that field stretcher to lift the defense and, and have a threat to challenge uh, the the defense down the field, and that's what they have in Aguilar. I know he's a high-variance player. Drops have been an issue for him, but you know he, he played pretty well for the Raiders last year, and so you know I don't think that it was a, a pickup that they made thinking, well, Cam Newton needs this player. I think it's more this offense needs this type of player, and Mac Jones is our future, and we, you know, we want to be able to stretch the field in the play action game to build off of our run heavy attack. Yeah. Okay. That's a good point. All right, Joe, anything else to add? Um, no, I mean, the, the Patriots have certainly went all in on free agency this past year, bringing in a ton of talent, Bill Belichick, obviously towards the end of his career. And what, what I would say about the moves that they made to gear up for, whatever's going to happen, right? It's certainly they they are giving us the idea that they want to go and compete and, and try to make the playoffs and go on a run because if not, they would have done a different style of rebuild where it was more about the draft and uh, not necessarily going all in and overpaying for a bunch of veterans. This is Bill Belichick saying, hey, in, in the twilight of my career, while I don't have Tom Brady, as we continue the debate over who's responsible for the dynasty, Belichick or Brady, he could not embrace a responsible rebuild in New England while Tom Brady's winning Super Bowls with the Buccaneers. The best thing that Belichick can do is try to close in on Don Shula's all-time win record. And he's in striking distance of doing that, but he can't go 5-11 and 11 and 6-10 and 10 the next couple of years. He's got to go win 9-10-11 games. And so I think this is as much about um, the, the Patriots trying to win under Belichick without Brady as it is anything, because this is not what you would expect for a team that just said goodbye to Tom Brady is coming off of a losing season 
and you know needs to gear up for the next era of football. This is definitely a, a blitz approach and um, signaling to me that Belichick can't go out, you know, being a, a below average football team in terms of results with Tom Brady c- contending for Super Bowls in Tampa. You know, on a certain level, I do respect that. Um, I hate the Sabres tank and I hate tanking football. I, I just hate it anyway. I just think it's that's not why you're out there. Like tanking, it, it just goes against everything I want to see as a fan. And so there's a and I hate Bill Belichick, but I I, I respect that to a degree because, you know, that's not what he's doing. And uh, although I don't really think he's going to be super successful, uh, I do respect that he's just not going in on a full rebuild. Yeah. Yeah, I think we see it the same way. Okay. Joe Marino, senior draft analyst over at the Draft Network. He's also the host of one of the best podcasts out there, Locked on Bills. Joe, we're so thankful to have you not only on my pod, but I, I think we're all very thankful that you are our guy for Bills Mafia. Yeah, I appreciate that. It's a, it's a lot of fun getting to do this work. And I was a little nervous um, when I decided to – extend my work portfolio to covering the bills on a podcast. Um, but, uh, this team has been a joy, right? I mean, I think we're, we're certainly in an era of bills football that there's a lot of good things to say. You know, I worry about me doing this job. If Rex Ryan was the coach or, you know, some of what we had to endure on on, under guys like Dick Duran, but, uh, this football team has been kind uh, to the people that cover it. And, um, it's certainly a fun time to be a bills fan and, talk about the team every day okay there you have it joe appreciate you taking a few minutes for me absolutely thank you enjoy the rest of your day sir bills mafia that is all i have for you this week i really hope you enjoyed it Please subscribe and check us out here on the Built in Buffalo Network. You can find me every Monday right here. Until next Monday, please squeeze somebody close to you and go Bills. It's kind of blurry. That's better. Question. What kind of bear is best? It's a ridiculous question. False. Black bear. Well, that's debatable. There are basically two schools of thought. Fact. Bears eat beets. Oh. Bears. Beets. Battlestar Galactica. Bears do not... What is going on? What are you doing? Last week, I was in a drugstore, and I saw these glasses. Uh, $4. And it only cost me $7 to recreate the rest of the ensemble, and that's a grand total of... $11. You know what? Imitation is the most sincere form of flattery, so I thank you. Identity theft is not a joke, Jim. Millions of families suffer every year. Michael! Oh, that's funny. Michael! If you were not absolutely satisfied with this podcast episode, please contact your state senator or the postmaster general. Please be sure to mention, Vince Taylor said that you are a big fucking cryass. Boy, I'm sure glad that's over with. Me too. Yeah, but you know, I learned something today. Just when you think this show is terrible, something wonderful happens. What? It ends. Ah! <laughs> <laughs>
folks. You're still here? It's over. Go home. What if I told you that you can support your blood pressure and healthy CoQ10 levels with two chews a day? The new Super Beats Heart Chews Advanced is now supercharged with CoQ10. That's like getting CoQ10 for free. Our powerful blend of beetroot, grapeseed extract, and CoQ10 supports your cardiovascular health. Visit RadioBeats.com and find out how you can get a free 30-day supply on bundles and save 15% with the promo code DEAL. American Giant makes great clothing, sweatshirts, jeans, and more right here in the U.S. Visit American-Giant.com and get 20% off your first order with code STAPLE20. That's 20% off your first order at American-Giant.com, code STAPLE20.